By the way, before we get into the most important thing, which is opening and loving the word of God, I just wanna say how much I love and adore this congregation. Thank you so much for the chance to sing, to play, and now to open my mouth and let whatever weirdness come out of me that the Lord can use to encourage and bless all of y'all. It makes me very happy. Um, Matthew 2, 1 through 12 says this. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, where is the child who was born king of the Jews? For we have observed its star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened. And all Jerusalem with him, And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, oh, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give you this morning, we give you our attention, we give you our ears and our gifts. Bless them. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm 33, and I've moved 30 times in my life. I was born in Brazil, as you know. I began to, you know, bounce back and forth at the tender age of negative one, below one, much like the temperature of Christmas. My parents, my mom was born and raised in Asia, born in Taiwan, spent her formative years in China as my grandparents shared Jesus with, the, with, with Asian, uh, Asian ministries, and my Other Owsley grandparents went to Haiti in the 50s, were evacuated, and then went to Brazil, where they raised my dad. So I'm the third generation of bounce around the worlders, as were the wise men. They they, they didn't bounce, they were a little more dignified. But, you know, missionary kids, we do the best that we can. I'm struck by a number of things in this story. When Dallas asked me to speak, he asked me to speak about change, or a new beginning. And I thought, with Epiphany coming right up in a few days, which is traditionally when the wise men met Jesus for the first time, 
I had been already reading the story for my Advent devotions and thought, what new beginnings happened because of and in spite of these wise men going all over the world, crossing borders by faith, following a star? What's here? Let's find out. So, you know, as I said, when I was a, when I was a young man, by young man I mean maybe eight years old, um, <laughs> my, I, I'm the oldest of four, I'm Stephen, and then David, of course, was two years behind me, then came Nathan, and then, because my parents just, you know, thought the house needed to be a little bit louder, Andrew came along. In Brazil, carpets and rugs are for the wealthy. Most people cannot afford the maintenance of a rug. So most um, churches and houses are tile, and you have to clean tile with soapy water on a regular basis. So, um, one, it, was the, it, it, was, uh, it was incumbent upon the four boys to clean the tile. And by four boys, I mean the three of us. Andrew was teething in diapers, was not needed for this, for this cleaning. So my brothers and I had a spigot of water and we were throwing water and soapy water, uh, soapy water all over the tile to clean it. And we had a squeegee and we were, you know, doing our work. We were helping, allegedly. And we found that if you take a running start and then crumple to your knees, you can slide across tile. Oh, what discoveries, what danger, and what glory, to be honest. So we were throwing warm, soapy water on this tile and careening on our knees all over Tarnation. And the three older boys were doing it, of course, helping. Things were being cleaned. We were having the time of our lives. And here comes the baby, crawling, you know, handful of teeth in his head, out of the door into the veranda where we were cleaning. And we thought, well, it would be rude not to include the baby. So we thought, if we're sliding, Andrew can't really slide on his own. So wouldn't, wouldn't it be helpful? Wouldn't we be helpful to include him? So since we were in Brazil, the nation where soccer is king. Jesus is there too, but so, you know, Jesus has a hard time next to soccer. Um, we've got some shoes, two sets of sandals, set them up as little goalposts. We positioned the baby best we could and lovingly but forcefully set him careening across the wet tiles in hopes of scoring points. What, what could go wrong? Um, so Andrew, a little diapered, teething, you know, precious baby, having the time of his life, the baby wasn't bleeding, which it, it, if you're from a family of all boys, that's sometimes the best you can hope for. But my brothers and I were pushing the baby backwards and forwards, trying to score goals, <laughs> and I heard the thunder. If you come from a large family, you know that a tone of voice matters. But there is a way that a parent can approach that can freeze your blood. So we heard the, not the pitter-patter of a pastor's wife's feet scampering to a prayer meeting, oh no. We heard the thunder of a mother whose baby is a hockey puck 
on her veranda. And lo and behold, Hope Owsley I comes screaming in to the area where her boys were doing what they were supposed to do. They were cleaning. There was no fighting, which was a huge accomplishment as well. And we were teaching the baby to participate. What was wrong there? My mother scooped up Andrew and said words that I will never forget. She said, young man, stop. Don't you ever play soccer with the baby again. We, we reluctantly complied. Change is a constant for missionary kids. My name is Stephen Daniel, and so when I was, a, when I was Andrew's age, I was not careening across tile floors, but I was you know, in a similar situation. I was called Danny, so my name was Danny, Danny Owsley. I hated it because I felt like I sounded like Donny Osmond. And so I didn't want to be Danny Owsley. I wanted to be Stephen, which sounded dignified. So I'm still not dignified, but I'm going to keep trying. And I looked just like my dad. And so as a 12-year-old, I began to resist and say, I'm going to be my own person. And I changed my name to my birth certificate name, which was Stephen. And my parents reluctantly made the change. That change was informed by my desire to break away. I did not have an object of love. I made a change kind of out of my own vanity, of my own personhood, you know? But the real change in my life came on July 9th, 2003. When I changed my name from Danny to Stephen, I could feel the Lord tugging on me. There was a star in the sky calling me homeward. God doesn't have any grandchildren. You cannot live on the faith of your parents. You have to decide for yourself who you will follow, how you live. And I, obviously unsaved, having tossed a baby around a sliding floor, needed desperate help. I had shut my heart to God. I had felt him pulling at me from a very young age and said no. I had felt the Lord prompt me to come to him and I said I'm not interested. And my heart was closed like a fist. On July 9th, 2003, real transformation came because I was at a camp run by Baptists. Who would have thought, full circle, here I am in a Baptist church. A counselor could tell that I had not given my heart to Jesus and was not living a spiritual life and said, Stephen, you need to be a new creation. And I thought, I'm 14. I'm, as, you know, I'm, I'm pretty brand new as it is. And spiritually, I had the feeling of a fearful, broken person who was 100 years old under the weight of fear. He opened up Christ to me, and I experienced transformation from the inside. The wise men began a journey, not because they were curious, but because they were devoted. Faith was planted in them as it was planted in me, and they began to follow a different direction for their lives. The first point I would like to make is, change is not a result of curiosity. Change is, has, a, has an object that is devotion. If you're curious, curiosity comes and goes. But if you're devoted to something, you pay a price for it. Have I suffered for Jesus? I don't think so. 
I, Brazil is very open to the gospel. America is open to the gospel. But I, I, when you begin to say, my, my journey across boundaries, across any uncomfortability, is based on faith. If I'm following a star, my comfort becomes secondary to my devotion. The wise men locked in to their devotion. How beautiful to have those people long to worship, bring gifts, go together, and worship Jesus. Not because they were curious, but because they were devoted. They were not tourists, they were followers. So, first, change is from devotion, not curiosity. Two, as we talk about new beginnings, Dallas, I talk about new beginnings, and I just thought, well, where, where did the beginning of the journey start for the wise men, the magi? They connected the energies and the giftings and the intelligence they had with the faith they were given. Change, second point I would like to make, change does not come to stargazers. They could have easily said, huh, look at a twinkle. Look at it go. Oh, is it a comet? Is it a star? Is it a death star? We don't know. There's so much, is it a moon? They could have written poems. They could have written books. They could have, you know, scribed each other, which is how they texted, you know, they would get papyrus and then like, you know, pass notes basically, is what I assume, because of course they did. But no, instead of gazing, they made immediate action to put their devotion and faith into motion with no result in mind. They were guaranteed nothing. They were, guar they were guaranteed no timeline, no arrival, and no reception. They just began. This year, what is God prompting you to begin? Whatever he's doing, he is faithful and powerful to help you sustain it. You, don't not, you do not know how it's gonna end up. Results are valuable in business. Results are valuable anywhere. We all have an idea of what we'd like. But I do firmly believe that the place you end up with God is often better than the place you planned. Let him take you on a journey of faith this year. Begin. Don't gaze at the star. I was once at a, I, I once went to a Christian counselor and I, as I did, I'm, I love counseling, but I just kind of barfed up my complaints. I opened up the brokenness, fear, and desperation I felt, and I shook my fist at everything, and he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I'm just mad at everybody. You know, and as it turns out, if you're angry at God and cut him out of your life, that doesn't go well. That's for, that's for a different sermon. But this, this counselor looked at me and said, Stephen, you are analyzing all of your obstacles and putting no energy into overcoming any of them. You have paralysis by analysis. I was stargazing. In what way are you paralyzed or pulled back from what God has for you this new year? Just begin. Bring your gift. Decide to worship, and whatever that looks like, follow the star. He won't forget you.
Third, there's a, one of the things that I find so fascinating about the Magi, and there's two things that I'll say as I conclude. Time moves so fast when you're having fun. Um, we, must, we must have an internal sense of devotion. We must stop stargazing and begin with the Lord. Right with it, when we when we begin something new, but we must do it in spite of the brokenness of others and the evil of the world. The Magi were learned men, the wise men. The first place they went, Herod. Oh, and the gossip got out. They they went to a peer, and a peer betrayed them. I've, I've had that experience. I have been in areas where I had something precious to share, precious to do, and I went to someone, shared it, and I was discouraged, I was put down. And so we must hold our new beginnings in spite of the brokenness of others. They trusted Herod, and Herod wanted to kill the baby. And I believe, very likely, they wouldn't have made it out either. If, if he was frightened at a threat, I, f- I, I believe that, the, that the, the star then shielded the wise men from being killed, palace intrigue. HBO's got nothing on the Bible sometimes. So when we, when we have the devotion to the star, begin our journey, whatever new thing God is prompting you to do, in spite of the human obstacle, in spite of the evils that come upon us, we must remain steadfast to our mission. And finally, I would like to say, as as I conclude, the wise men are never referred to individually. They fell and worshiped. They traveled. They went to King Herod. They fell down in the house and worshiped Jesus. Then they were warned in a dream. You don't have to go it alone. And of course, this has been preached on many times, but they all had different gifts, but they were still a they. They had gold, frankincense and myrrh. Those, the, the significance of those has been talked about ad nauseum. But how good to talk about it again if we're lifting up the truth of the Lord and his word. Transformation will be better sustained if you don't go alone. If, you, if something is on your heart, a prompting to move in a new direction, if you are prompted towards the worship of God, your gift is enough. The thing you have naturally is sufficient. So, to bring these things all together, as a new year begins, your curiosity will not bring a new beginning, but your devotion will. Take time to search your soul, but please don't get stuck stargazing. God has a big, hurting world coming into this place every Wednesday night, on Sunday mornings, we have opportunity every moment to declare and worship a risen Christ.
and a loving God. We must sustain the change in spite of the Herods who have the lip service of a common goal but don't truly have it. And notice as you run towards God, seek to worship him and bring your gift, notice who's next to you and link arms with them. Be the wise men and women that have different gifts but are part of the they that worship, the they that keep traveling and the they that move together. And we will get there together. Something new and beautiful, holy, better than we expect can happen this year. Let's go together. As we take communion in a few moments, that is the goal. We have been made one in Christ. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will someday be restored and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Will you pray with me as we prepare for communion? Heavenly Father, you have shown up in a star, you could have shown up in a rock. You could have showed up out of the mouth of an animal, of a person, of anyone. But you can show up however you want. I ask that you speak firmly, clearly, and personally to every heart here. And Lord, you never stop speaking. So give us the ears to listen. And then when that listening happens, Lord, please fortify the faith of these hearers to follow your star. Lord, give us the patience with each other as our many gifts become the unified wise men on a mission. Lord, give us the the power, the grace, and the love to make the changes we need throughout this entire year. We cannot sustain change without your help and without each other. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.